1: My guest today is Antonio Suave. He was the former head coach of the World Youth Soccer Academy at Disney's Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando, Florida. And he's currently producing and hosting the Soccer Academy. It's a TV show that talks about soccer and involves young people as well. Has an international flair to it, if you will. He's a former pro soccer player, played overseas, also played his collegiate ball at North Texas. And he has a uh, wealth of information on soccer, football as it's called internationally. And we're going to talk about the World Cup in our midst, Qatar 2022, the FIFA World Cup held in Qatar. And uh, Antonio has been to Qatar on a number of occasions through his Peace Through Soccer initiative. I'd like to welcome Antonio Suave to Bless to Play. Antonio, it's great to have you on.
0: Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Well, Antonio, the world is jumping right now. They're kicking. Let's say they're kicking because the, you know, you got 32 team field and the French are the defending champs. And here we are with the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. This means a lot, not only to the country hosting it, but to the world at large. Give us uh, the meaning, the excitement that surrounds what's going on in Qatar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for the first time ever, the World Cup has been hosted, is being hosted in the Middle East. And of course, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, it's an area that uh, is very delicate politically and uh, certainly has some controversial elements associated with it. I think overall, it's very good for the sport of soccer to have it in that area of the world. As you said, I've been there quite a few times. I've also interfaced with some of the soccer entities there, such as Aspire Academy, and they're doing a great deal in terms of training their young players to play at the pro level Mm -hmm. in the Middle East, but also in Europe as well.
1: Well, let's talk about Peace Through Soccer, this initiative that has brought you around the world. I know you've made great strides in Morocco, but soccer truly is an international sport because... It's you know, you don't only count the countries that have soccer, you have to just count the ones on maybe one or two hands that don't have soccer as an international representation. But talk about this initiative and what it has done to bridge the gap between different races, genders and bring peace through soccer.
0: Right. Well, you know, in conjunction with the Soccer Academy television show and the camps that we had originally started at Disney's Wide World of Sports all the way back in 98 99 what we have is a nonprofit foundation called the Global Foundation for Peace Through Soccer and it is dedicated to spreading that very mission and that is spreading a message of peace through soccer around the world now what we do essentially is we cater to individuals to younger soccer players who don't have the economic or financial wherewithal to participate in soccer camps on a normal basis. So, for instance, what we just did in Morocco this past summer, we hosted two weeks of free soccer camps whereby we not only bring a a plethora of great coaches from around the world, but we also feed the players and give them free equipment, free soccer gear. So what we leave them with at the end of the day is our goodwill. But mm-hmm. we also we also integrate prayer into all of this, even though we're in countries that obviously are religiously diverse, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in Morocco, it's predominantly Muslim, of course. But, you know, there is a significant Jewish population, and there is a good-sized uh, population of Christians and Catholics. As a matter of fact, I went to Mass there when I was there in Marrakesh just, just recently. So what we do is we provide an opportunity, an outlet, if you will, for underprivileged children to participate in high-level soccer training programs. And we do that through the foundation.
1: Now, the sport of soccer specifically, how does it initiate or uh, fabricate a sense of peace among the players and also the country that you're in?
0: Well, you know, it's a natural, it's a given. As you said uh, prior to this, Look, soccer is truly an international sport, so it's something that can be utilized as a diplomatic tool, but also, mm-hmm. more importantly, as a peace-related tool. Because, you know, at the end of the day, all you really need is a is a soccer ball, right? And in some of these countries that are uh, underserved, where the children, where many of the children are underprivileged, they don't even have soccer shoes. So oftentimes, they're playing barefoot. on on a traditional, conventional sandlot. So soccer is one of the great ways, it's one of the great tools, it's one of the great mechanisms or bridges to build peace around the world between nations. Also, of course, when you're doing something that people love together, so you're sharing a passion, let's say, whether it's in the arts or it's in sports or it's in some other area, it's always easier I believe and I've done this for a long time I've done I've done this sort of thing for over 30 years uh, I've seen that it has a tendency to break down those barriers that are either religious color related uh, ethnically oriented and it brings us to a place where we can have an active vibrant and significant dialogue between people and actually what it does is it brings for instance, in this case, uh, when we're doing it in North Africa, we're doing it throughout the Middle East. What we find is that it bridges the gap between Christians and Muslims mm-hmm. quite substantially and significantly.
1: let to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Antonio Suave, a former professional soccer player, coach and host and producer, creator, writer of the Soccer Academy. And let's talk more about that Uh As you uh, discussed before, you initiated or embarked on this uh, production uh, many years ago uh, at Disney, and you continue to do this. Talk about the Soccer Academy, the show itself, and uh, what it does to those young people who may want to watch it and learn something more about the game.
0: Uh, Absolutely. So, interestingly enough, when we uh, created a soccer camp operation with Disney's Wide World of Sports, back in 99, we also developed the concept of a youth soccer television show that would be, in essence, a show that not only shared some soccer instruction in each episode, but also took young players around the world and was educational in nature as well. Now, that took a few years to develop. We did a pilot initially with Disney, but later we were able to spin that off and do our own version of it called the Soccer Academy. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube channel uh, and all of that, and it can be accessed uh, via our website, socceracademy.tv. But most importantly, what we have here is we have a method whereby we can share educational elements and instructional components with young players, parents, and coaches. By the same token, we integrate sights, sounds, smells of each and every country. So we just did two episodes in Morocco a few months ago, and then a few weeks ago, as a matter of fact, we filmed another two episodes in the country of Portugal, including one dedicated to Fatima.
1: And you were able to, when you were in Fatima, I assume that you were able to integrate the Catholic faith with the sport of soccer.
0: Yes, absolutely and unequivocally. Of course, what I try to do is I try to incorporate you know our beautiful Catholic faith uh, into as many episodes as possible. We did it in Mexico, where we featured Our Lady of Guadalupe in a couple of those episodes, and we've done it recently, as I said in in Fatima and what we try to do is uh, certainly suggest that there is a great advantage. Mm-hmm to people engaging and participating in their faith. Now, obviously, I do it from a Catholic perspective because uh, I'm Catholic. So by the same token, we also respect and recognize other religions when we're doing the show. But, of course, we like to share some of the most beautiful elements and components uh, of our faith when we're doing the show as well.
1: Well, you probably piqued the curiosity of a lot of our listeners right now. So how do you incorporate this high-quality soccer training with the Catholic faith?
0: Delicately. <laughs> it's not, as as you know, it's uh, not very easy. But we've been doing it for, you know, I think I've been doing the show now for close to 20 years. Of course, we had a hiatus for a few years and so on. But it's been back on the air on the LATV, KJLA Network platform in just over 40 cities uh, every week now again, and it's been back on the air for a few years. And the way that we do it is we make it, to a degree, we make it somewhat concise, but we also make it informative. Mm -hmm. So from an educational perspective, it's part of the cultural makeup, particularly when you're in a country like Portugal, where it lends itself to this sort of a discussion. So the dialogue becomes incorporated into the general discussion that is culturally oriented. And that's what we've been able to do, I would say, fairly well, you know, and then hone it, uh, you know, over, over several years. Find a way, find a happy medium, a balance whereby you're not doing what, what we would call, you know, in, in, in production, what we would call hitting people over the head, you know, sort of with a two by four. We don't take that approach. We take a different approach, we take a softer approach, and we show some of the attractive features uh, of of our faith. For instance, we know that it can be beautiful to participate in a Mass that is reverent. And of course, when you're in a place like Portugal, or uh, Fatima Portugal that is, or when you're at the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, You're in a natural environment that lends itself to all of this, so it's a lot easier to incorporate. But we do it. The show is actually an educational instructional travel log that shares the sights, sounds, and smells of different countries. So when you do it and you integrate it as part of the culture, Mm -hmm. then usually it's well-received.
1: Now, I sense what you're doing is uh, countercultural, a little bit different, let's put it that way. Do the participants in the uh, the soccer academy, the camps, if you will, do they sense a, a different feel to this approach to learning the game and also taking them beyond the game?
0: Yes, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look, when you integrate the faith-based component into it, it becomes truly something uh, that is not just a substantial, substantive sort of experience for the player and the coaches, but it has a tendency to last a lot longer. That is, the impact and the effect lasts longer. So it's different, for instance, than being, let's say, a cheerleader of a sport or doing something what we call, you know, popping up a tent, the circus comes in, and then the circus leaves. Well, we don't do it that way because what we leave them with, hopefully, is a sentiment, a very strong sentiment that what we're doing is spreading goodwill, and that goodwill is invariably associated with Lord our God, our Creator. And of course, what we do, and we do it very naturally, is that we don't avoid speaking about our Christian Catholicism, if you will. But we also don't. Um, we're also very careful to be respectful of the other religions, partic- particularly in host countries that are predominantly Muslim or Jewish. So, for instance, we've done these shows in Syria, in Jordan, in Morocco, and also in the middle of Jerusalem.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. Our guest today is Antonio Suave. We're talking about his piece through soccer initiative. And on the other side, we're going to talk about where did he get this passion to integrate the two, faith in soccer, the testimony of Antonio Suave when Blessed to Play returns, right after this.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen.
1: Welcome back to Bless to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Antonio Suave. Boy, I like that name, it just kind of comes off my lips very easily. And uh, what a career he has had in soccer. He played professional soccer, but even before that, he was an All-American in high school and he got to play at North Texas, a Division I team, and he was part of the final selection for the United States Youth World Cup team in 1983. Uh, Played a little bit of soccer in Italy as well. We talked about the World Cup in our midst now at Qatar, and Antonio's been there and brought his peace through soccer initiative to Qatar so he's bridging this gap with young people incorporating faith but also the culture of the country that he's filming in and also they're learning some good soccer from a, a really good player but Antonio we talked about what you're doing but there has to be a there's a passion in you obviously and somehow this lit a fire in you could you give us a a, a snapshot of how this came to fruition in your life
0: sure absolutely you know, I'm from the Detroit area originally, and uh, I am actually proud of that, even though right now I live in Metro Kansas City with my family and and our uh, six and a half children, one more on the way very soon. So thanks be to God. But I would say that it probably started, you know, way back uh, in the early 70s. My father was an immigrant from Italy, and of course, he knew the game Rather well, so he was my first coach, and he was able to convey to me some of the beauty of the game as a matter of fact, as you know, historically it's been called the beautiful game for a lot of reasons mm. uh, not not uh, not the least of which has to do with uh, ge- the geometry, the intelligence of the game so on and so forth. But what I really found as I was playing and and again, I had the gift of being able to um, uh, you know, achieve a few things. As you said, you know, in high school, I was, I was able to advance and then, you know, get recruited at the collegiate level and all of that. But really what I saw was I saw soccer was one of the, one of the best tools imaginable to be able to forge relationships in and among people of different backgrounds. And, you know, the Metro Detroit area uh, is actually replete with a lot of uh, different ethnicities, mm-hmm. so everything from you know various European countries to Latin America to the Middle East and so on and so forth. Of course, it has one of the largest uh, Arab populations in in the entire country, and it has a large Polish, Ukrainian, Italian uh, contingency as well. So, doing that, I found that. I was able to be on the field of play, and this is all the way back, you know, to the 70s. Now, late 70s, I was able to be on the field of play with uh, with with Muslim players, with Jewish players, mm. even with Hindu players from India, believe it or not. We had, you know, on one of our championship teams, we had all of the above, and we found that we had such a very deep respect and appreciation for each other. And in seeing that, I noticed that soccer was that glue that brought us together. So it was that conduit that became very, very important. And eventually, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to carry that over and create a nonprofit foundation to do that very same thing.
1: Now, it's interesting, and you mentioned respect amongst the players, because I'm a baseball player and I have no soccer ability whatsoever, but I've been watching the game over the last several years closely, watching the Premier League, watching uh, the World Cups, soccer players, they're very competitive. They go at it hard, but they'll help the opponent up after they knock him down or they'll give him a kiss on the forehead. But there is this respect that you don't see in other sports.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would i, I would say it's a little unique in that way, right? It's not always the case that you're helping the player up, but, but hopefully it's more often than not. And, and, of course, I think you do see that right when you're watching uh, higher level soccer, whether it's the, the English Premier League or it's the Italian Serie A or it's La Liga in Spain or the Bundesliga in Germany or MLS, mm-hmm. of course. So I do think that you see uh, those elements that are associated with that terminology that was connected to soccer, and that was it, it is the gentleman's game or the gentleman's sport. Now, of course... Uh, There are recent examples where that is not the case, (laughs) and uh, soccer has often gotten a a bad rap, if you will, with some of the the hooligan-type fans in in some of the stadiums uh, around the world. But for the most part, I would say that there is a very definite camaraderie Mm -hmm. that is associated with soccer and that is connected to soccer. And then it leads itself to building these relationships between people of diverse backgrounds that you wouldn't normally have.
1: Now, what's interesting also about soccer and watching the fan base, it's not an immediate gratification sport in most cases. You have to really break down the defense. You have to maintain your shape. And scoring is usually not – you're not seeing a goal every two minutes, say. So there's a patience that goes along with it. Why has it caught on internationally – why has the fan base been so enamored by this sport?
0: Well, wow, that, that's actually a great point. You know, the fact that you have to patiently build up to a goal uh, or regroup and reorganize, of course, it has many applications to our everyday life, mm-hmm. right? Just like the, the geometry, right? We say that soccer is a game of triangles, and that's actually how you teach uh, small-sided games, right? You teach players how to create these triangles so that they can get out of or get out of situations or maintain possession of the ball. But by the same token, what ends up happening is we've got a sport here that that really teaches patients build up the appropriate attack structure, right? And when you see it's not going to work, you rebuild, you swing the ball across the back line and you hopefully restart on the other side of the field. And of course, those analogies to life are, you know, are very present, very very real. Right? Sometimes when we're going in a certain direction, certainly, you know, I know this from faith, we might be going in a direction that is not altogether the best direction and we've got to regroup and restart. Soccer has that built into the game. Right? Because it has that patient sort of structure. Now, what has happened in recent years, of course, is athletes have gotten a lot better. You know, the running has increased dramatically. Uh, You see a lot more uh, attack and defense that doesn't necessarily slow down a lot. Back back when I was able to play a bit in, in, in Europe and then played at a certain level here in the States, I saw that, you know, you could actually slow the game down. And in Italy, that was once called catenaccio, you know, slowing the game down, knocking it around the back, as we say. Uh, but now the game, you know, has uh, has really increased in speed, so it's sped up. Uh, but But there is still that patient component because seldomly do you have several goals in a game.
1: Yeah, and everyone enjoys that slide to the fat uh, to the flag as the crowd goes nuts. So that's really the crescendo of a soccer goal for sure. We're talking with Antonio Suave, a former professional soccer player and producer, creator, and host of the Soccer Academy. Now, I know you coached at the collegiate level, and bridging this—not uh, bridging a gap, but in, incorporating your faith in a competitive environment. and and encouraging the player to get better and be competitive and also do it in a certain way. Is that a challenge for a coach?
0: There's no doubt that it's a challenge. But let me say that, you know, certain collegiate environments uh, are very, very open to that. So integrating prayer into the sport itself is something that I feel, personally, of course, I feel is imperative when it comes to let's say, a traditionally Catholic college. Mm-hmm. So I had I had the great blessing of being able to coach uh, the varsity men at Franciscan University in Steubenville for a year, and then I also was able to coach uh, the men's team at Ave Maria University down uh, in the Naples area in Florida. And, of course, in both instances, in both cases, I had athletic directors that fully supported uh, and advocated if you will, the integration of prayer into our daily practice sessions. So we would open practice with prayer. We would end practice with prayer. And in between, I like to call it the water break prayers. <laughs> you know, we would have these very small, short sessions led by players and we would pray for a particular cause. Now, the beauty of the Franciscan experience, as well as Ave Maria, is we even did neat things such as, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet while we would be running and warming up for practice. So it just so happened that at Franciscan in 2008, when I was there, we would be warming up for practice at about 3 p.m., and we came up with the notion that it would be a great idea that while we were doing our warm-up, we would be praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And, of course, as you know, there are so many, so many great young people at Franciscan University Mm -hmm. that uh, they actually taught me a lot about the faith. And I ended up marrying a wonderful young woman from there who is a graduate of Franciscan, both undergrad and grad. So I would say that, you know, in those sorts of environments, it becomes really easy. It becomes more of a challenge, of course, you know, with some of the colleges and universities that are Mm -hmm. Catholic in name but not necessarily practicing it. And in that case, I would urge those coaches and those athletic directors to try, uh, their very best to integrate more and more prayer into the game itself.
1: Yeah, some good words there. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think the teams that you coached had the least amount of red cards in the conference. Is, would that be correct?
0: <laughs> you know what? I'd like to say that. I don't know. I don't know if that is empirical data that you've collected, but, uh, I would like to, I would like to believe that was the case. I'm not sure, but it sounds great.
1: All right. I have to get our crack staff to look more into that, and we'll get back with our uh, listeners. Well, Antonio Suave has been our guest. Uh, What a great guy, first of all, incorporating his faith with uh, soccer and taking it around the world, if you will, impacting uh, maybe those who might be marginalized in in a country and bringing the youth out to have some fun, but to learn some deeper meaning, uh, through the sport of soccer. Antonio, thanks so much. It's uh, great reconnecting, and thank you for sharing a little bit about your faith and also about life on the pitch. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.
1: Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You could like us on Facebook and hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Antonio Suave, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.